back to another episode of The Final Call. You're on Radio Massasoit, episode number 61. Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Mamarius, the man with the name, the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. I have done that intro more than 60 times now. That's the first time I messed it up. So, <laughs> Hey, we, all, we are all human here, Andrew. No, no I'm not. I'm immortal. I'm a god. Oh, 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 I thought you were one of those lizard people that like, uh, they like caused the, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. All right. Anyways, the Illuminati coming up on this show show today. We'll get into Carson Wentz being benched this weekend by the Philadelphia Eagles. Also what's going on with Giannis? He is still has yet to sign his super max extension for the box. What's going on there? Sorry. But first the breaking news from yesterday. The L.A. Clippers extending Paul George on extension. That is four years long with an average salary of $44 million. Ben, what do you think of this? Is Paul George deserving of this contract? You've been, you've been very critical of him over the last year or so. I have, and the reason why I've been critical is because, you know, self-proclaimed playoff P. He was in the MVP discussion a few years ago. This is a guy who is talented beyond all belief he has the ability to do it and then when the big moments come he just cannot get it done so to answer your question is he deserving of it i mean i guess if you look at the other contracts in the league i mean all these all these big time players are getting these big deals you know like the the hardens the westbrooks um steph curry has a big deal lebron just signed a big extension anthony davis signed a big deal it's just kind of where the market value is at this point. So, I mean, would I have given him that much money? Probably not. But, I mean, that's just the way the NBA is going now. This is this is your last chance, buddy. This is your last chance to, to shut the haters up. You know, he says he wants to retire a Clipper. He said the same thing when he was with OKC. So, I mean, I hope he performs for the Clippers. I hope that he, you know, backs it up because... This is it. If he if he doesn't if he doesn't perform here, that's it. He he's out of chances for me. Uh, I wouldn't say this is as in last chance. Do you mean like this season is the last chance, or like throughout this contract is the last chance? I would say throughout this contract, but oh, I I expect him to have a big year because he's talking a lot of junk right now, saying that he's going to be back to his MVP form. So he is, and the reason I wanted to clarify that was because like if he, if he doesn't get it done this season, he's got like four more guaranteed years at max money to to prove it wrong. So right, and you know, in terms of the deal and, and the details of it, I like it, but I don't love it because this might be just be a personal thing, but to give a max, a max, and and to see kind of what teams like a Washington um, who's kind of stuck with that John Wall deal, I don't like. Personally, if I were running a franchise, I don't know if I'd want to put myself in jeopardy of playing, of paying a, a really good player max money. And Paul George, he's a good player. He's a real good, he's a star, actually. He's a perennial all-star, and he deserves to be paid well. But max, I don't know if I want to do, do max. And when you spread it along five years, you're getting into the realm of, we're keeping this duo together. I don't care what else happens. And could it mean, and to bring up Andrew's point, maybe further further down the line in the show that could this contract mean Kawhi and Paul are safe and everyone else is interchangeable? Who knows? But like you said, Ben, in order to kind of justify the money he's been given and certainly the length of it as well, he's going to have to back it up in the playoffs. No more backboard P, which he, I don't know if he'll ever live down, but (laughs) he, he needs to play well in the playoffs. And in the end of it, if he comes out with a ring at the end of this thing in the next five years, I think it'll be worth it. Would it surprise you guys to know that with this contract, Paul George is now tied to have the highest annual average salary in the NBA now? No, I'm not surprised. Inflation. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little surprised just because of the other names that have big deals. But Tim and Damian Lillard on top with identical contracts now. This is essentially the exact same contract that the Blazers gave Dame. And, and by the way, NBA money out of this world. I mean, $45 million a season. That's what Patrick Mahomes is going to make in a couple of years. Like, Best quarterback in the NBA, I mean, in, in the NFL is making that much. And then like the 16th best player in the NBA is making that much. Like it's not exactly the same. It's just out of this world though. I agree with you. Is it a lot for Paul George? Absolutely. But the Clippers had no other choice but to make this move and to sign for that much. Especially after last year, they trade away five first round draft picks in order to acquire him from, from the Thunder. 
And when you as a franchise give up that many assets for a single player, you have no choice but to do whatever is in your power to keep them around. The Clippers mortgaged their entire future on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard handpicked Paul George to be his running mate with the Clippers. They're going to do whatever it takes to keep Kawhi happy. They've shown it. They've, they've done it to a fault at this point. I mean, we went over, la- over it last week. Yep. But they're going to do whatever it takes, and I don't blame them. This is the only move they, they could make. They had to do this. Uh, I don't know if I, I, if I would go that far. I think you're, you're accurate to a, to a degree, but at the same time, I just think back to the, to the Nets trade with Paul Pierce and KG. I mean, they, they mortgaged their future for that, and they were in draft purgatory for you know, seven, eight years after that. Right, but that's and, because Paul George and that's because Paul Pierce and KG were in their late 30s, well past the, prime of the primes of their career. I know, I know. I, I don't mean to compare the two, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I don't, if you make one bad move, I don't think you would just be like, okay, I'm forced to make another just for the sake of, to justify the last one. You know what? I, I don't think. That's you know, not what I'm saying though. But when you give up that many assets, you gave up five first round picks for Paul George, right? A mm-hmm. single player who's still in his prime. Paul George could have gotten this contract from another team. There would have been a lot of teams out there next offseason if he had opted out to go out and sign Paul George to a similar contract. The Clippers had no choice. You give up that many picks. It was a completely stupid move by the Nets. You know, what was it, 2012 that trade happened? Mm-hmm. Right? That was Shout a to Danny Ainge. Yep. horrible move by the Nets. But this move, you brought in a guy who the year prior was in conversation for the MVP. He's a four-time All-Defensive team player. Perennial All-Star is nowhere near towards that cliff in his career. This, this 100%. is the move he had to make. 100%. I'm, just, I'm not trying to compare the two, but I'm just saying if you make that lopsided of a move in terms of assets, I mean, the Clippers gave up five years worth of first-round picks for Paul George. Well, I mean, hey, if Drew Holiday's worth three, I guess Paul George was, is worth five. <laughs> Drew Holiday's not even worth three, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee overpaid. Oh, my God. Well, that's another conversation, but... um. Paul George is a good player. I mean, what did he average? 23 points last year? Good, 20, solid. He solid averaged, was, I have it right here. Real player. He averaged 22 points, four assists, and six rebounds a game. That's top five in each category in the Clippers. I mean, he's, I, he's, he's the Clippers' second best player. Yeah. I understand, right? I understand where, where Andrew's coming from because when you give up that much, it's like you want to make sure that the move that you made is going to hit. So... Do you overpay for that person? I mean, that's kind of where the question marks start to come up. But I think, I mean, the Clippers are obviously going to be better with Paul George. I mean, yeah, I've been critical of him. And yeah, he has his problems in the postseason. But, you you know, Paul George, they don't grow on trees. Like, you're not going to go out and find another guy like Paul George. So it's it's important to keep him. Especially um, when you consider that, especially when you consider that, again, Kawhi Leonard handpicked Paul George. Right. They both play in the Clippers. They both they're both are from Southern California. They exactly. both wanted to play together. Yep. Kawhi Leonard told Steve Ballmer, "If you go get Paul George, I will sign with you," and that's what they did. So, and you're, they're going to do whatever it takes to keep Kawhi happy. They're giving Paul George the world so they can give Kawhi Leonard the entire galaxy. That's what this is. Because mm, nice metaphor Ka- there. Because Ka- Kawhi Leonard's next, and he. If you think this is a lot for Paul George, just wait to see what they give Kawhi Leonard. It's going to make this seem minuscule. They will overpay by, I would say, a few million for Kawhi Leonard to keep him in LA. How much more room do they have? I have no, I couldn't. I mean, tell the you. max is the max, though. I mean, they gave Paul George the max. So well, there's also the give, super max. Yeah, but I mean, that goes into like how long he's been with the French and stuff like that. But I agree with you. They're going to do everything and more to keep Kawhi Leonard there. And if that means cutting back on some of the some of the spare parts on that team, like a Pat Beverly, like a Lou Williams, that they've been rumored to trade. I think they'll do it. No question that no questions asked. I mean, I remember saying last year when they gave up all those picks for Paul George, it was like they gave up that much for Paul George and Kawhi in the same breath because Kawhi wasn't going to go there alone. And, right. and that was well documented. So, I mean, that's a good point. I, they're going to, they need Kawhi. They, they need Kawhi despite his fourth quarter blunders that led to the three, one uh, downfall. They need that partnership to not only stay relevant in the conversation, but I don't know if they're close to the Lakers right now. and They're probably threatening them, but they need the duo to stay in town for the long term. So yeah. let's shift over to Kawhi. Does keeping Paul George make it that much easier on the Clippers to keep Kawhi Leonard? I think so. Like, is, is Kawhi Leonard a lock right now to be back with the Clippers after the season? Yeah. Or do you think I mean, he's going to go out and test the market? No, I think, I think he's going to stay because, like you said, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, he... He wanted Paul George to come to L.A. 
they wanted to make that town a Clipper town. They didn't want to go join a super team with the Lakers and just, they didn't want that. They'd rather compete in the same town and, you know, try to convert that town to a Clipper town. And Kawhi went to LA with the mindset of, I want Paul George too. So the Clippers are here in Kawhi and they heard him all those, all those times saying, Oh, yep. I love Paul George. I love playing with him. I want, we're both from Southern California. Let's bring him in. And they did that. It'd be foolish for him to say, Oh wow. Like they're bending over backwards, keeping Paul George. Um, I mean, to me, this is more than enough for Kawhi to stay. And I think that Kawhi is going to stay here for, you know, however long his new deal is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, in the same breath, though, it's kind of hard to predict what Kawhi's thinking because he never talks. Yeah. And, and the NBA is always a free agency frenzy. Um, so you never really know what's going to happen. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the market he wants to be, be in. He lives in San Diego, which can cause some problems within the team. But the team stands by Kawhi. Big market. He'll stay. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Kawhi doesn't opt back in after this year, but gets a raise sort of with Anthony Davis did with the Lakers this year. But yeah, he's going to be a Clipper after this, I'd assume, unless a team like, I don't know, Miami really wants to throw a boatload at him. I, I, I can't really pick another team, but it's about like a 85% chance I give it that Kawhi Leonard is back next year. But without Paul yeah. George, that chance is zero. Yeah, I think he, he's staying in Tinseltown. I mean, he really wants to stay in L.A. I mean, like you said, he lives in San Diego. To move all the way across the country to Miami, I mean, I understand. It's not, not just Miami, but if anyone were to throw money at him, I mean, he'd obviously kind of consider it. But I think he'd be foolish to, to turn down the Clippers right now just with everything that they got going on. I mean, they, they, they felt like they were right there last year when they were in the second round of the playoffs there with the Denver Nuggets. They were up 3-1. They thought that they were going to get to the Western Conference Finals. They thought they were going to face the Lakers, and they thought they were going to beat the Lakers. Didn't turn out that way. You know, a lot of them are saying the bubble had a lot to do with it. We all know Paul George had his issues in the bubble. Maybe this time around it's, it's different. Maybe they can compete this year, but they don't want to give up that easily. I think the most significant part of this contract – to me anyways, I mean, especially after we went over that article uh, in The Athletic just last week, is what effect or what message this sends to the, to the rest of the locker room. And to me, it says to every other player on the Clippers that there's a hierarchy now. It's Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and then everybody else. And they're going to do whatever it takes to keep Paul George and Kawhi Leonard happy. If you don't like it, fine. They'll find someone else to replace you. Montrez Harold didn't like it. They let him go, and they brought in Serge Ibaka to replace him. There are plenty of players in the league who would love to play with these two players. And the Clippers know that. They're not going to sacrifice Paul George just to keep Pat Beverly happy. They're not going to sacrifice Kawhi Leonard to keep Ante Zizic. Zuzic. Zizic? Zubac? Zubac. Who's yeah. Zizic? He's on the, he was on the Celtics at one time, and he was in the Kyrie Irving deal. He went to the Cavs. Oh, I thought this was the same guy. No, Evic, uh, his name is Evika Zubac. Yes. Zub Anyways, they're not going to do that to keep that guy happy. Right, the fact is, I don't know that I don't know that guy's name, but I know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They're going to keep him happy. There's a hierarchy to this team now. This is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's team, and this extension is that message to the entire locker room that they better fall in line or they can leave, and the franchise will have no issues letting them go. I'll take it up a I'll take it up a further notch. Not you're right. This does say there's a hierarchy. I'd also say that this means. Kawhi, Paul George, you guys are safe. The rest of you guys are expendable. That's yeah, what this sounds like to absolutely. me. Absolutely. Because look what Coach LeBron did. Le Coach, Le GM, right, Jason? With uh, when, <laughs> properly. when he when he wanted when he wanted Anthony Davis, what did he do? They they shipped out the entire team. What was it? You know, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and like the entire Josh Hart. Yeah, they threw the entire kitchen sink. And they got Anthony Davis, but I mean, same thing happens with, with the Clippers. I think, you know, it's everyone's expendable. If you think you're safe, you're, you know, you're only safe until after the trade deadline. So you never know. Can I raise it up? Can I raise it up another notch? Ooh, go for it. This is just how the NBA works in general. It's not even just the Clippers. This deal didn't reveal anything. Lou, Lou Williams and Pat, Patrick Beverly, those two specifically have been in the league long enough to realize Stars run this thing and, and role players like that, that have their you know, niche on the team. But at the end of the day, they're not stars. 
Patrick Beverly was on the team with James Harden. So was Lou Williams. Lou Williams was on the Kobe team that paid him two years, 50 million when he tore his Achilles. Uh, rest in peace, Kobe. Love you, Kobe. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, you, you're kind of overpaid those last couple of years. Um, <laughs> Patrick Beverly was on the, was the youngster on the Heat team with, when they gave up like everything under the sun for LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. Like, these guys know how the league works. They, they, this deal wasn't like, oh my gosh, they're going to pay Paul George, but not us. Like, they're not blindsided by this. They knew it was coming. They absolutely knew it was coming. No, and, but and even in the locker room, Jason. 100%. Who, who was the leader now? Because last year, like last week, we were going over that entire article that no one really knew who the leader was. And Paul George and Kawhi were off doing their own thing while the team was kind of amongst themselves. No, it's Paul George and Kawhi's team. What they do, what they do off the court, on the court, speaks for the entire team. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean, I think they knew that Paul George was going to make more money than them. They're not questioning that. But they were questioning who the leaders are. And this is, it's, it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's team. Undoubtedly, in, emphatically, that's what this contract means. And that's the message from the front office. Yeah, according to the front office, it is. I mean, it's up to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to, to go yeah. to that same beat. It's up to them to really step up and be the vocal leaders, especially you're Kawhi. Right. I'm adding Kawhi at this. So No, you're right. I said that last week. I said yeah. if you're going to be a leader, you got to act like a leader. Yeah. It's up to those two now. It's The ball's in their court, pun intended. But Lou Williams and Patrick, Patrick Beverly have been in the league long enough to know that. This is a very fine line, though, because if – I mean, it's a fine line between – keeping Paul George and Kawhi happy and keeping the rest of the players happy. It's almost like they're walking on eggshells. It's like, okay, like we're going to let Kawhi and Paul George do their thing. Like, are, are you guys happy with that? Okay. Are you guys happy? Good. You're still on the team. If not, see ya. To me, it's, if it works great, if not, this is a recipe for disaster. So watch out for that. It's an interesting point, Ben. I don't know. I mean, I just figured, you know, Montrezl Harrell wasn't happy with it. They went out got rid of him. Serge Ibaka plugged in right in, in that same role. There are plenty of players in this league that would love to play with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and win a championship. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. And I think if Pat Beverly and Lou Williams want a chance to win a title, staying in L.A. with the Clippers and falling in line behind, these, behind Leonard and George is their best chance to do it. I agree. From one guy getting a max extension to another guy that hasn't signed his Supermax yet, why is Giannis holding out on the Bucks? We'll get to that next on the final call. Back on the final call, Radio Massasoit. This segment is brought to you by NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written by the one and only Jason Snow. NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written for New England. A great publication, mid-stretch. How do you like that? That was probably pleasing to the ears. New story. I I liked it. (laughs) New story out today at the time of this recording. I don't know if I trash baseball necessarily, but I definitely get on it for being... um, uh, You'll read it. You'll read it. For taking too long? Taking too long, Jason, for you? What's that? Baseball? The offseason taking too long? No, but it's boring. It's like a... I don't know how to describe it. You'll have to go read the story. It's, it's, right. a, it's a good one. It's a long well, one, but it's a good you one. You know who is taking too long? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Malista, Yanaki, Pametora. Sign that deal. He's yet to sign his Supermax extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. The deadline for him to sign is December 21st. That's 10 days from now at the time of this recording. What do you think is going on there, Ben? I mean, you've been very, you know, adamant that you feel that Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee after this year. Do you still feel that way? I do. I think he will. I I don't really know what's taking so long. I mean, you could say he's he's waiting for maybe a new piece, maybe, or he's I don't I don't know, but he's gonna get a super max. If he stays in Milwaukee, I mean, this is, he's going to get a super max. Are they going to bring in, you know, I mean, I know this is going to come up later, but if they bring in Harden, that's another max player. Maybe that's why he's waiting. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but for all the listeners who don't speak Greek, I'm saying, let's go sign it now because hello. What? Listen, Giannis, you're the MVP of the league back to back years, defensive player of the year, you know, all-time. All-time guy, right? Be- only only very few players have won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same year. LeBron's never done that. Um, you know who did, though? Michael Jordan. But anyway, Giannis... I'm not, I'm not reacting to that. I'm not yeah. giving you a <laughs> yeah. for that. Cheap shot. Giannis 
is a special player, and he's the centerpiece, the focal point in Milwaukee. They already brought in Drew Holiday, who's you know good player. If they bring in one more person, that would be great. I think they're still going to be a force to reckon with in the East. You know, the Celtics are obviously going to be there. The Heat's going to be there. But, I mean, people are talking about Brooklyn, too. I'm not sold on them yet, but I still think the Bucks are going to make waves. And I see a finals appearance in the future for Giannis with the Bucks. So you do. I do. And with if, this core right now? If he stays, well, if he stays and they bring in maybe one more person, then yeah, I, I listen. I think the Bucks have a. I think Coach Budenholzer is a good coach. I think they brought in Drew Holiday, which was great. I think Chris Middleton is can still play. I mean, I just like the. I like the Bucks, man. I don't know what it is. I like the Bucks, and I. I think Giannis. Giannis should stay in Milwaukee if he wants to succeed. If if he goes to like the Heat or if he goes to wherever, that's just. All right, Kevin Durant. You know, stay in Milwaukee. Champ. Anyway, um, you know, I, I, I feel like he hasn't signed it because he's not sold that he can get to a finals and potentially win one. And, and Ben, I know you like the Bucks because you're Greek and you bleed Greek soup, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was looking at my phone that entire take. I was looking for a Greek soup Greek, I, per, I could Greek pronounce, but soup. I, I couldn't pronounce any of them, so I just went generic. Hope that's... Avgolemono. Go ahead. I couldn't do that. Avgolemono? Avgolemono. No, I can't. All right, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. No, anyway, I, I brought that amongst us. Um, anyway, I know you like him because you're Greek, but at the same time, it's Giannis has to realize that the. I feel like he has a doubt that he can get to a finals, but he has to have the self-awareness to realize that he might be the, the main reason why they can't get to the finals. And I know he's a two-time MVP. I know he went back-to-back. I know he's like a top-five player in the league. But his game has holes, and there's no getting around that. And and I know everyone keeps harping on it, but he can't shoot yet. And more importantly, from my perspective, he he can't create off the dribble enough. He can't, and and he's easily not easily marginalized. But it's for well-run teams like Miami, he walks right into the trap. And and they build a wall around him, and he's a good passer, but not necessarily great. And he he's not a one-trick pony necessarily, but you can kind of see what's coming. So. I feel yeah. like you know my, what to expect with him. He goes down in the paint, but when you bring four guys around him, he's over, too overwhelmed to pass out accurately and too contested down low to really finish effectively. And then that comes along with injuries, and we all know how that went in the playoffs against the Heat. But Giannis has to realize that he's not the perfect player, and and Milwaukee and him have to have this realization that Milwaukee needs him as much as he needs Milwaukee to surround him with good players like a James Harden and, and we'll get to that in a minute, but I think Milwaukee's ceiling kind of hinges on Giannis and his, his progression as a player. He's the, he's the captain. He's the leader. He's a two-time MVP, but his game's not complete. And I feel like the Bucks ceiling kind of relies on him to expand. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that Giannis great player, but you, you both already said it. Like he's not a complete player yet. And unless he develops the ability to shoot soon, he never will be, you know, and that means, you know, the Bucks need another scoring option next to him. And you guys keep bringing up James Harden. I just worry, like, what else can Milwaukee give up at this point? What else? I mean, you, I, I know I say it jokingly beforehand, but they gave up three first-round picks for Drew Holiday. Yeah. What else can they give up to get James Harden? I mean, I feel like if I'm Houston, I'm asking for Giannis in return. I know that's not what Milwaukee will do, but that's where I'm starting the conversation. I'm not giving up James Harden unless I'm getting another transcendent player back. Well, I don't, I don't think Milwaukee necessarily has the assets that a Brooklyn has or potentially Miami has. I, I think Milwaukee is limited out of the three of them, but the reason we bring up James Harden is because Harden added him to the list and there's news there. And if a superstar highlights an organization, especially in a small market like Milwaukee, where they land a free agent once every two decades and one of those free agents is like Greg Jennings, <laughs> that type of caliber in in the the Packers. I know he wasn't a free agent when he went there, but that caliber name just came to my my mind. Don't blame me. That's not a free agent destination. Is is my point? And, no, it's not. And it's not. when when an ultra uber superstar circles that that destination, 
Giannis is the only reason why he wants to go there. So yeah. if Milwaukee can somehow make the ends meet, if you give up a Chris Middleton, if you give up Dante DiVincenzo, if, if the Clippers gave up five for Paul George, and I know you said if they gave up three for Drew Holiday, what's James Harden market like? Well, they might have more picks to play with, and they might make some other small deals to acquire first, some first-round picks down the line, whatever. But the reason why we bring him up is because of the list that he published. I just worry though, like, but then what does that leave you? You have James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo together, but even then, I don't think that's good enough to win a finals. It's not. I mean, as I'm long not in as love it, with that fit either. As long as Anthony Davis and LeBron James are together with the Lakers, there's no one I'm putting above them. There's, there's just, there's no one I, there's not a single pairing in, in the entire NBA that you could throw at me that I would make me put above LeBron and Anthony Davis. Ben, you don't like the fit of, of, Harden. The, of Harden and, and Giannis together. I mean, I'm not in love with it, and the reason why is because if Harden plays the same way he's been playing, you know, ever since he was with Houston on Milwaukee, how is that going to fare for the Bucks? I just feel like with the Bucks, the ball needs to keep moving, and with Harden, it's going to keep moving, but then once it gets to Harden, it's going to stop, and he's going to do that dribbling thing, and which I guess I think, you have someone down low like Giannis who can get a rebound. I mean, maybe they can have like a nice little one-two punch going, but I feel like Harden just – Harden's a guy who wants the ball always. He didn't want to play with Chris Paul for that very reason. I mean, Westbrook left town. I don't know. For me, I mean, I actually I don't hate the fit because we keep saying Giannis needs a legit scorer next to him. And- James Harden is the best scorer in the NBA today, yeah. right? Well, yeah, so that's the good uh, thing. Right. But the one, th- what I feel, it limits, and I think this is what you're trying to say, but it limits Giannis, right? Because you obviously put the ball in James Harden's hands, but then I feel like that really only that boils Giannis down to basically a rim running, to doing to, to cutting to the rim. I feel using his size and just powering through there for lobs. That's what I feel like which this is, ends up. Which would be his strength, yeah. It would be, but again, you don't want to just limit yourself to that, though. Mm-hmm. I love the fit in more. If if really if I could put it on a scale of one to ten, I'd put it at a fifteen. Really, I, I, I love the fit. I really do because at the end of the day, we talk about stars, and I think these two these two guys need each other. They both don't have a ring. They both want a ring before they retire. And Giannis says, "Don't acknowledge me until I'm a champion." Well, here's your chance. If they can get James Harden, it's a, the point you that you made, Andrew. It'll take the ball out of Giannis's hands. Good. You don't want the ball in his hands yeah, late in games. You don't want him point. anywhere near the free throw line, that's for sure. No, you and, don't. Of course not. And I, I, like I said, you, it fits because Harden's a scorer, right? But it, I feel like it would work to the point where it'd almost be a detriment. And, and I think that's what Ben and I are trying to say here, right, Ben? Like, it, it's the ball's going to stick to James Harden, right? You're taking who, your best player, right? And you're taking the ball out of his hands. Now, yeah. obviously, I want Giannis to be able to pass the ball out and find a shooter, but I don't want that shooter to be an ISO guy who has to have the ball in his hands every time. I want that guy to be more of a cutter, be like a Kyle Korver, but better, and be open for the outlet pass. I see it as it works for both players because Harden, shortcomings on defense. We say that all day long. Who can cover that up for him? Drew, Drew Holiday and Giannis. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I, I look at it like – Shaq, I don't want to compare the two duos, but I'm just going to make this analogy or this. Um, yep. Shaq, you're, you're going to go Shaq and Kobe, right? You don't want to take the ball out of Shaq's hands. Shaq doesn't need the ball to be effective. Giannis doesn't need the ball to be effective. And, and we see how James Harden kind of made a career for Clint Capella by throwing lobs, running the pick and roll. He, he won't do the same for Giannis because Giannis is more advanced than that. But if you can get Giannis touches at the at the mid post get him to iso every once in a while and once those once the wall comes you kick it to james harden on the wing oh my god i let they can play fast they can they can play a defensive lineup with james harden in there imagine that and and you'll have a closer you'll have an iso guy Mm -hmm. if the if the if the whole problem with it is Giannis won't have a chance to isolate anymore that's a good problem to have. That's an amazing pro- what's the, What's the whole thing w- okay. with Giannis right now? He's easily marginable. He's marginalized. And he doesn't really have a sidekick to kick it out to when it means most. Chris Middleton's not necessarily reliable unless he plays the Celtics. <laughs> it's it's cr- 
you get James Harden on that team. I love right. it more. Yeah. Yeah, there's a problem. There's a problem to, well, your, to your theory here, though. Let's hear it. Is Houston going to say yes? Like that's the thing. Like yeah, it it works for Milwaukee. It works for Giannis. It works for Harden. It doesn't work for Houston. And I know that. I know that's not what you're saying. I'm just like, like don't put your cards before your horse, right? Houston is obviously the Rockets ultimately decide where Harden goes, right? Because they're the ones who have to decide what they want in return. And Milwaukee doesn't have that transitional package or transitional player, transcendent player to give up for James Harden. They just don't. Now, if you want to talk about who Milwaukee could target in a trade, I mean, before the Suns went out and got Chris Paul, I would say Devin Booker would be a good fit. Victor Oladipo with Indiana would be a good fit if he doesn't end up resigning there. Now, those are both max guys, but it's not as much as you'd be paying James Harden. You can give up less assets for it, and I think you would do almost just as much. It would give exactly what you're talking about, maybe just not to that pivotal of a degree. So I understand where Jason's coming from. And so, Jason, your whole, your whole thing with the fit is Harden's going to have to play differently than he does in Houston. Am I, am I right in that assessment? Yes, but it won't be night and day. It won't be like James Harden won't know how to play back. Like he won't, he'll right. be comfortable yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, because the way I saw it and the, the way that I'm still thinking about it is if Harden if, is dribbling for 20 seconds of the shot clock, what are we doing? What's the point? I mean, I get it, but like that's not going to help your team. But if, you're, if they're going to do what you said and they're going to you know kind of run it through Giannis or, or maybe that's what you were saying, but if, so like if you were to give it to Giannis in the low post and then everything collapses and then he just kicks it out to James Harden on the wing, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. But it's just, I don't know if Harden's used to being the second fiddle on a team because I mean, look, look, when Chris Paul was on the team and Chris Paul was running the offense, James Harden was, was visibly upset and uncomfortable and, not happy with his role because he likes to have the ball. He likes to be the one that's orchestrating the offense where Chris Paul was kind of doing that for him. And James Harden, I mean, we all saw that video of Chris Paul trying to kind of fist bump him and he just slaps his hand away and is like yelling at him because, I mean, who knows? But I just think James Harden's a guy who he needs to be the number one on a team. I don't know if he's if he's okay with being a number two. If he can, awesome. Go Bucks, but like at the same time, it's can he do that? Can he adapt? Can he learn to play with another star like that? Couple points. One, I don't know if he'll have to be a defined number two because how many times in the playoffs are we begging for someone on the Bucks to make a play? That's number one. True. They need they need a second guy, and, and, and like I said earlier, getting the body honest hands might be a good thing. But second of all, Harden signing up for this. He, does, he didn't put the Bucks on, on his list just arbitrarily like, oh, they have Giannis. I don't know how it'll fit. He probably drew all this out. And, and I know you brought up the Russ and the Chris Paul thing, but you have to remember, they came to him. The front office made those moves. And right. the front office gave Chris Paul a max at 36 after a, after a knee injury that sat him out of Game 7 of the, of the Western Conference Finals, who was past his prime, but he was demanding a max. And Houston was like, we, well, we got to challenge the Warriors. We got to keep everyone here. And they, they paid for it. So... And the only reason they brought Westbrook in was because they thought Chris Paul was going to be bad. And they thought that contract wasn't going to be good. He revolutionized himself in OKC, but we didn't think that was going to happen. We thought OKC was going to be a lower tier team. Right. Um, so I, I think Harden knows the ramifications of going to a team that's already assembled. He knows, he knows the ramifications of going to Philly to play with Embiid. He knows what, what that entails. He knows he's going to have to play defense to stay in Miami. He, he added them to the list. So I think, you know, it'll be different because Harden's the one desperate here. If I'm, if I'm Harden on the Rockets, and this is my team, and I'm, I brought the Warriors uh, toe-to-toe in the Western Conference Finals, I'm like, oh, I can do this myself. I don't need Chris Paul. We almost won this series, and he got hurt. But now it's to the point where, oh, my gosh, well, nobody's here. I mean, Austin Rivers just left, and we're, we're empty. That could be a different thing where, like, I'm desperate. I need another guy. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't know if he'll do that, but in theory, that might happen. I, I, I see where you're coming from. You're starting to sway me a little bit. It's just, I, that would be awesome. If, if Harden were to go to Milwaukee, that would be awesome because 
I mean, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. It's just can he can he do it? Can he can he do it? I I haven't seen it yet, and that's why I'm skeptical about it. That's fair. I mean, that that's fair. I mean, there's a lot of if ends and buts around it. Right. And, exactly. And the biggest thing is Andrew. To your point, what do, what does Milwaukee have to offer? But I'm just saying hypothetically, if the move was to be made, how would it work? Should Milwaukee give up everything and more for him? I think so. But the question is, what is everything and more? I don't think I don't think Houston getting John Wall was enough for Harden to be like, okay, I'm staying. He wants out of there. Oh, absolutely. And again, the guy's held out of practice and training camp this entire time so far I mean, he's shown up now but again like he's not hard and wants out i get it and i get the interest in going to milwaukee you want to pair up with uh Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two-time mvp who's only who's what under 25 still or just turned 25 yeah he's 25 obvious. yeah obvious i don't disagree with it i don't disagree with the bucks exploring it ultimately though i don't like it for houston and they are the ones who ultimately turn the key here they're the Houston ones who doesn't give like the, it for Houston. <laughs> right. Yeah. Houston, Houston gives the, gives it the green light. They don't like it regardless. And, they don't want to give them up, but at the end of the well, day, no, they're stupid for doing that. They should give them up. But I, again, I think the best deal that Houston could swing is sending him to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. No question. I agree That's with the that. best deal they could swing. And Philadelphia's on the list. So mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, I, you know, you, you swayed me a bit, Jason. It, you're right. It does work for Milwaukee. I don't see how it couldn't, but, Houston makes the call and without James Harden, without a transcendent player next to him, Giannis is gone. He's not going to stay in Milwaukee unless he has another star tier one guy next to him because he can't reach his full potential in Milwaukee. I don't think he can. They're a small market franchise. They'll never not be a small market franchise. I see a lot. I see a lot of Dame Lillard with Giannis in terms of his like, perception of things so like dame lillard is a guy who he's like i don't need to leave my team you know i think we can do it in portland even though it's a small market even though it's we're, we don't really have a great chance you know Giannis what i mean is a better with, player than Giannis is a better player than damian lillard is but i, I love think Damian they have lillard. a similar i think they have a similar mindset it's like Fine. yeah i'm in the small market i want to make the small market relevant and that's what dame's doing with portland yeah, I love that's, that. That's why I, I that's why I think Giannis is going to stay. I mean, he could prove me wrong, and he could go sign with Miami or wherever. But I don't. I just see a lot of the the Dame Lillard thinking with Giannis on this one. Yeah, you might be right. I just feel like you know, small markets will always be small markets. Dame Lillard hasn't won anything, and I love you, mean it, Dame. I do, but you know, he you haven't reached your full potential yet as a player either, and you're over thirty. Giannis is a better player than Damian Lillard is. And ultimately, he still won't reach his full potential in Milwaukee in a small market because they just can't afford to surround him with the talent that he deserves. Similar to how Carson Wentz is being treated in Philadelphia, but some, for some reason, they benched him this weekend against the Saints. We'll get into that next here on the final call. segment of the final call this segment is brought to you by the scoreboardtimes.com scoreboardtimes.com show your passion while you're here carson wentz former number two overall pick in the nfl draft someone who just two years ago was in the running for an mvp and then all of a sudden it's kind of fallen by the wayside being benched this weekend in favor of jalen hurts to face the philadelphia eagles jason how you feel about that good for carson wentz and you don't hear me what? and you don't hear me say that much but if Jalen Hurts you know strings a couple good starts together especially towards the end of the year and maybe just maybe sneaks them into the playoffs the Eagles might look on to uh to move on from Carson which I think is a good thing they need a reboot that fan base doesn't put their arms around Carson anymore especially after Nick Foles won a Super Bowl for him and there's a statue that Ben learned last week outside the stadium um, right next to the jail in Philly, um, <laughs> aptly located. But I don't think they they owed him a lot of money. And, and that's kind of the crux of it. If he wasn't making as much as he is, I don't think this is as much of a story. Um, but at the end of the day, Wentz hasn't played well. The interceptions, reckless. We've said it a million times on this show. He's playing hero ball. He's trying to make, he's trying to make up for other shortcomings on the, on the team. Yeah. And that's just not a good place to be. 
it's making its name in, in interceptions and losses and just not good football. So I think if you, just to assess the future, if you went to a team that was more prepared, more, more built, I, th- I feel like that'd be a good thing. And he might just be on the road to do so. Interesting way to go about that, Jason. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz, I kind of feel bad for the guy. I mean, second overall drafted. In 2017, he was in the running for MVP, and then he you know, gets injured, and I think week 11 it was. Um, and then that's the year that Nick Foles went on to win the Super Bowl for them. And so then you look at Carson Wentz when he comes back, he looks like he's trying to win back the city of Philadelphia. It looks like he's trying to win back that fan base. And he just hasn't looked good. I'm sorry. Ever since that MVP year, he has just not lived up to the hype. After that MVP year, by the way, is when he got the contract that you mentioned. I forget what it was. It was four years, a gazillion dollars. And since then, he has not played up to his potential. He's throwing errant throws, interceptions, turns the ball over. No one's the past four years or no past three years. No one's been close to Carson Wentz when it comes to turnovers. I just don't know what to expect with his arm. I mean, his arm is just all over the place. He's overthrowing guys. He's not throwing them open. It's just his play is all over the place. And he just looks like he's uncomfortable out there. He he thinks that every single play he's going to get smoked. He's going to get hit. I mean, how can you blame him, though, when that offensive line that they have is just... Well, yeah, but, I mean... Every I mean they, they have a pop play, one offensive line out there. They do, and but to literally every time he snaps the ball, he's, he's wincing like he's going to get hit, and he's trying to get the ball out early. He's trying to force throws, um, sometimes forcing throws to people on the other team, as we saw with uh, Quandre Diggs in the end zone against Seattle a few weeks ago. He just doesn't look good, and... It's time for Jalen Hurts. And I was, I was one of the people advocating, saying, listen, Jalen Hurts is going to do the same thing Carson Wentz is doing because they have a crap old line. Their receivers can't get open. It's going to be more or less the same. But then when he gets in against Green Bay, who is one of the best teams in the league right now, beautiful throw on the run to Jalen Rieger, who all of a sudden shows up out of nowhere after you know completely disappearing when he had Carson Wentz. Now all of a sudden he's catching touchdowns. The Eagles looked like they had life. They looked like they had life against Green Bay when, when Jalen Hurts came in the game. And if that doesn't tell you anything about Carson Wentz, that should tell you all you need to know. It's, it's Jalen Hurts' time in Philly, and it's, it's a long time coming for this team. I just don't know. It's like, if you're not getting much out of Carson Wentz, a guy who knows the offense, who's been in the offense for, what, four years now, how are you going to expect anything better from Jalen Hurts? I know it's more; it might be more of a mental thing, but still, like, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's kind of a rash decision at this point. The Eagles aren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, there's technically still mathematically in it, but that's because the NFC East is just so bad. Yeah. What What are you really doing? You're if you really want to protect Jalen Hurts and you want him to be the future of your your franchise, you just let Carson Wentz take the hits for you, right? And then trade next year. Fire. Yeah, because I mean that that's how the Eagles feel I I'm not I'm not uh done with Carson Wentz yet I still think there's a chance I think he needs a legitimate offensive line he needs some weapons I mean Carson Wentz is not a guy like Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers he's not a guy who can make lemonade out of lemons but he's good enough where if he has a team around him he can be a winning quarterback he can do that and he, he has a lot of similar abilities to other star quarterbacks in the league, like Josh Allen. He can get out. He can move. He got, the guy's got a good arm. He's just so in his own head right now because he's been hit so many times. He doesn't know who's protecting his blind side on a week-to-week basis. He doesn't know who he's throwing to every other game. What does the guy have to work with? And, you know, Ben, we talk a lot about what the Patriots have at receiver. Mm-hmm. I would take the Patriots receiving core any day over what the Eagles have. I don't I know would. about that. The shell of Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, Jalen Rieger's good, but again, he's kind of just a burner down the field. And then Zach Ertz, when he's on the field, great, but he's kind of past his prime. I don't know what to make of Dallas Goddard yet. Eagles are, again, they're comparable. I at least, you know, I like Jacoby Myers. I like Demir Bird. I'm like, you know, Jacoby, uh, Nikhil Harry had a couple good catches yesterday, but he's not, he wasn't worth the first round pick, and that's obvious. I would take the Patriots receiving core over the uh, Eagles, though. 
You're so high on this Patriots team. This is the you said last week that this Patriots team is more dangerous than the Patriots team that won the Super Bowl. I just want to no. I didn't say they're that. more dangerous. I said they they're running a very similar offense or strategy to what they wanted to run. I re- I recall you saying that you that this team has more to work with or something like that, and I was like, wait a minute. No, I didn't. I don't right. say they have more to work with. You said you said they were either more dangerous or they were better than the Super That's Bowl. That's not year. what I was saying. What I'm what saying. What did you say? <laughs> What I said was that they're running a similar scheme to what Belichick wanted that year. That right. uh, that Patriots team in that season was largely predicated. Well, why are we getting away from Carson Wentz? That's not, for the, that's not what this segment's about. And I'm not trying to deflect. I'll defend this after the show. I'm just saying. One thing I find interesting about the, the Wentz benching, though, is the timing, to be honest. I don't know if benching Carson Wentz the week before you go on to play the, the NFC favorites at home one of the best defenses in the NFL. I don't know if you throw a rookie quarterback with no starts into that atmosphere. I, I might just save him for the week after when you face the, the Cowboys that just got, ran, just got ran over by Lamar for, what was it, 260-something yards, whatever it was. Yeah. I, I, I find the timing of this odd. And looking back at the draft, you don't draft a gadget, weird backup quarterback in the second round if you don't have intentions of playing him at some point, which... I don't mean to call him weird, but the not totally refined or polished yet is what I mean by that. And I'm questionable about the pick if you were really in it to support Carson Wentz as much as they were claimed to. If I thought it was going to be Carson's team. It was going to be, we trust Carson. We give up all this money. We can win the division. We will support him. I didn't know it was going to be, let's just draft a backup quarterback in the second round, similar to, similarly to Aaron Rodgers. But Carson's not Aaron Rodgers level talent, but... What I'm getting at is, why, would, why did they even acquire Jalen Hurts in the first place? Were they really going to support Carson Wentz in the timing of it? It's just, it's just a weird situation to me. I don't understand it. The reason for that is, Jason, I mean, they clearly saw that Carson Wentz wasn't doing it for him. And they thought, well, we might need a backup plan here at, at quarterback if this doesn't work out this year. And they were right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the timing's a little weird going against Green Bay, one of the best teams in the NFC. But Jalen Hurts was kind of a spark plug for them coming into that game. I mean, he throws a beautiful touchdown, and then Jalen Rieger on a kick return brings it back for a touchdown. All of a sudden, the Eagles are in the game. And mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, then Aaron Jones runs it for like 80 yards and gets a touchdown, and the game's over. But with Carson Wentz, yes, he's talented. Yes, he can make the throws. Yes, he's, you know, he has all these things. But it's the mental thing. It's the... We see this with Sam Darnold with the Jets. He's broken. He's broken. There's just not much you can do to fix that. I mean, yeah, Sam. I'm sure Sam Darnold's a talented quarterback, but when, after playing under Adam Gase for two seasons, that hurts your growth as a player. And I'm not saying that Doug Peterson is the reason for Carson Wentz's problems. I think you know a lot of it has to do with the team itself and how it's constructed, and you know obviously the injuries and everything. But it just it just seems like they're they're ready to put in a new guy. I mean, Carson Wentz just looks like he's 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 lost it. I mean, he's he's at that point where with Sam Darnold where it's like he's past the point of no return. Like he's just he needs to get a Carson Wentz needs a whole he needs to relearn what he was good at. He needs to go back to what he was good at and I, I can't explain it. I mean, it's just one of those things like I know I keep saying this, but like Sam Darnold, I mean, he he's broken. They broke him. But we all thought at the beginning of the, like in the off season, at least during the season preview in the extravaganza. I mean, Ben, you and I thought that they were going to win the division. I mean, I thought I the window was there. This, this division isn't good. Like, cause he's talented. Like the Eagles should have went into the season and being like backup quarterback. Let's win this division. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I feel like the window was there and I don't know if they totally realized injuries, it, you know? injuries gone in the way yeah, with it. It's true. In the way of it, you lose Lane Johnson, you lose, Brandon Brooks, an all-pro at, at right guard. You don't have a left tackle heading the season, so you had to sign the course of Jason Peters, who's now out for the season. Your defense was overrated. You lost Malcolm Jenkins before, you know, prior to the start of the season. He went to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You guys couldn't really cover. The Eagles haven't been able to surround him with anything. They haven't. Miles Sanders is a nice running back, but, I mean, eh, great. But he's not Derrick Henry. He's not Dalvin Cook. Zach Hurts has had his injury issues. Like Carson Wentz has been dealt a really crappy hand now. The front office has done a bad job supporting him after you know winning that Super Bowl. I felt I don't know. He paid the price for it because he's now he's trying to do too much, and 
it hurt it hindered well, him. But that's not his player. fault, Ben though. That's not his it's fault. It's not it's not his fault, but okay. you know, it's it's not his fault because he's he's playing with, you know, a bunch of nothing, but I mean, it's it's not Sam Darnold's fault either that nope. he got broken in New York. So it's unfortunate and you know, I think the the second Nick Foles won a Super Bowl is the second about the second his Do you think that got in his head a little bit? Bowl, absolutely. They built when they built a statue of it outside. I just looked that up by the way. It's, that's so corny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw a photo. I can't believe yeah. they made a photo a statue of that. And I that I mean if you're I mean put yourself in Carson Wentz's shoes. My backup went and won a Super Bowl and they put a statue of him outside. Like he feels like he needs to be better. And he's trying to do too much. And with the pieces that he has, he can't do it. He's broken. I'm sorry. Carson, I can't disagree with that. Carson Wentz, quick message to you. I just want to speak to you directly if you're listening to this, which you definitely are because everyone listens to this podcast. Carson Wentz, if, you, if you're listening to this, send me your P.O. box. I'll, I'll personally pay for your flight to Indianapolis next season. Um, <laughs> you are Sam Darnold. I will pay. Personally pay straight out of my pocket. Send me your PayPal. Send me your Venmo. Whatever it is. He's send, desperate. Send me- Send me your information. I'll, I'll pay for your plane ticket and your family too. I'll go coach seat, you know, whatever it takes to get you to Indianapolis. I'll do it. So Wensylvania's over, huh? Make it Wensel. I can't make Wentz into Indianapolis. 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 Indianapolis, baby. Indianapolis. Okay. Big W at the beginning of that. Wind there we go. Indianapolis. I like it. And that's about all the time we have for the final call of this episode. As always, you can check us out on our podcast page wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're interested in doing some reading, make sure you check out NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written by the one only Jason Snow. That has a new article up today at the time of this recording. And let's, you can go check out the scoreboardtimes.com, written, about, written by myself. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FinalCallMCC. Make sure that you get ready for our episode next Friday, December 18th, where we get into the NBA extravaganza and preparation for this upcoming NBA season. So make sure to come back for that. For Ben Mamaritas, for Jason Snow, I'm Andrew Fantuccio. This has been the final call on Radio Massasoit. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief